0: That you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I want to focus this episode on one of my favorite verses of Scripture. It is absolutely profound in the truth that it teaches, filled with nuances of meaning and one of the clearest expressions of the total commitment and dedication called for if one truly wants to be a Christian. The verse to which I am referring is found in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. In it, Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now we're going to look at every phrase of that verse and examine what each one means. But before we do that, let's remember that to truly understand any passage of scripture, it must be considered in its context. The context of the entire book of Galatians grew out of a situation that was causing a lot of problems among the predominantly Gentile churches in the region of Galatia. What was happening was that certain Jewish Christians were circulating among these churches and teaching that in order for the Gentiles to be saved, it was necessary that they also keep the law of Moses. There seems to have been a particular emphasis upon circumcision and the keeping of the Sabbath day, but those were not the only aspects of the law of Moses that they were trying to bind on these Gentile Christians. And the false teachers were being successful. And many of the Galatian brethren were embracing what they said, and were placing the eternal salvation in jeopardy. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Paul wrote, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 through 4, we are told, Behold, I, Paul, say to you, that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. This was a serious matter, an absolute perversion of the gospel of Christ. Now, the immediate context of the latter part of Galatians 2 was that Jew or Gentile, no one, could be saved by the law of Moses because no one perfectly kept the law. Salvation or justification is by grace through faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. In Galatians two nineteen, Paul wrote, For through the, through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. Now, while we could talk a long time about what the phrase for through the law I died to the law means, let it suffice to say that in the past, Paul had thought that he would be saved by perfectly keeping the law of Moses. But now, in Christ Jesus, that law no longer had any claim or control over Paul. In Romans chapter 7, verses 2-4, through 4, Paul used the marriage relationship to illustrate this point. Look at what he wrote. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then if while her husband is living she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Therefore, my brethren, You also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who raised you from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Now, why had Paul died to the law? It was so that I might live to God. To live to God was to be truly alive, spiritually alive, with one's sins forgiven, and that was only going to happen when he became dead to the law. I've probably said a whole lot more than I needed to say leading up to Galatians 2 and verse 20, but really the only fair and proper way to deal with any scripture is to consider it in its context. But now, let's focus upon Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It begins with, I have been crucified with Christ. There is so much involved in Paul's statement, I have been crucified with Christ. It is the ultimate in commitment. What exactly does he mean? Well, first of all, in being crucified with Christ, Paul and every Christian becomes dead to the law of Moses, something that we've already looked at. Secondly, in being crucified with Christ, a Christian becomes dead to sin. Let's go over to the book of Romans and turn to chapter 6, and we'll read verses 1 through 14. Paul wrote, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might also walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Do you see what happens? When we became Christians, we voluntarily walked up Calvary, so to speak, and were crucified with Christ. Our old self, our body of sin, was crucified with the Lord, put to death. My friends, that is the resolve that we have when we render our obedience to the gospel, that we will no longer live in sin. Thirdly, in being crucified with Christ, with our old self, our body of sin being destroyed, we are no longer servants of sin. That takes us back to Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, because Paul continued on and he wrote there, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. In being crucified with Christ, we have said that sin will no longer be the master that we serve. Now, my friends, we're talking here about the ultimate in commitment. A crucified person cannot turn back. In that phrase, I have been crucified with Christ, the verb is in the perfect tense. And you might be thinking, well, so what? Well, the significance of that is that Paul was speaking of a past act in his life that continues to have results. Paul's death to sin when he was crucified with Christ in baptism was not just something that happened on one occasion several years ago that he enjoyed fondly looking back upon. No, it was something that completely altered his future. It was something that changed the course of his life. It was a time when he committed himself. He was now a crucified individual. And how does a crucified individual turn back? Now, he may quit believing. He may turn his back on the Lord and walk away. But how can one who still wants to call himself a Christian, a crucified person, because of the effect of it continuing, how can such a person be unfaithful in his or her service? A crucified person cannot turn back. It is the ultimate in commitment. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 and notice the next thought. Paul had written, I have been crucified with Christ. Next he wrote, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Yes, because of his being crucified with Christ, Paul was dead to the law and dead to sin. But he was now truly alive for the first time since sin had entered his life. I think once more about Romans chapter 6, specifically verses 8 through 11. Once again, Paul wrote, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul's new life, and the new life of any Christian, is only possible through union with our Lord Jesus. A person cannot live to God without first being crucified with Christ. Having been crucified with Christ and buried with him in the likeness of his death in baptism, the person can now rise to walk with Christ in newness of life. The life that was in Paul was there because of his union with Christ. The life that is in me and in all faithful Christians is there because of our union with Christ. We are dependent upon Jesus for our new life. And our continued existence in faith and faith in service to him as a branch is dependent upon the vine to which it is attached it reminds me so much of john 15 verses 4 through 5 where jesus said to his apostles abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine so neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him He bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. What a beautiful expression is, Christ lives in me. The significance of that wonderful statement for Paul and for every faithful Christian is that Christ is now the director of our lives. When we are crucified with Christ, we are presenting our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Remember Paul's exhortation in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He wrote, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, my friends, this is the ultimate in commitment. Paul was saying, and every faithful Christian does as well, that whatever the Lord commands, he will do. He will follow his example. He will obey his commands and imitate his attitudes. Thus, Christ lives in the Christian. He is the source and the director of every Christian's life. This particular phrase reminds me of what Paul wrote in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. He said, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory now let's go back to galatians 2:20. the next part of the verse that i want to consider is in the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god the life that paul now lived stood in contrast with the life that he led before he was crucified with christ now there are a couple of ways this can be looked at and both are allowable by the words themselves The first is that it refers to walking by faith and not by sight, as expressed in 2 Corinthians 5-7. The idea is that a person's personal, subjective faith in Christ determines how he or she lives. The second, and the one that I think is more likely to express the real idea, is that of walking according to the faith. In other words, having our life governed by the revelation through Jesus Christ. Perhaps another way to express it would be walking according to the faith once for all time delivered to the saints as we read in Jude 3. No matter how you look at it, it refers to ultimate commitment. If it refers to the personal faith in Christ Jesus, well, the Bible teaches that we live by faith, walk by faith, are justified by faith, are saved by faith, that we overcome by faith, and that we stand by faith. Our personal faith in Christ is the root principle of our lives. If it refers to the faith in the sense of the body of things revealed in God's word that we are to believe, embrace and practice, then every step we take will be guided by and governed by the precepts and principles set forth in the faith. So again we ask, how can a crucified man turn back? Finally, as we turn to Galatians chapter two and verse twenty The verse ends with, Who loved me and gave himself up for me. I love the way this verse ends. So yes, as a child of God, I am crucified with Christ. Yes, he lives in me. Yes, my life stands in sharp contrast to what it was before I was crucified with him. And I live it based on my personal faith in him and by the body of things to be believed, embraced, and practiced as revealed in his word. I do it because he loved me and gave himself for me. That reminds me of John's statement in 1 John 4:19. We love because he first loved us. The pronouns used in the last part of Galatians 2:20 individualize the love and death of Christ. In other words, regardless of whomever else Christ might love, he loved me. And regardless of whomever else he might have died for, he died for me. If you are a Christian, you are a crucified person, and that is the ultimate commitment. In the physical realm, a crucified person cannot turn back. In the spiritual realm, he must not turn back. I hope that this examination of Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 has proven to be helpful to you. Thanks for listening.